Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the Get Better Wellness Radio Show. Today is April 16th, and I'm your host, Erin Chamerlick, the Real Food Revivalist, coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois. On this show, we talk about real food for real life and help you understand what the standard American diet is doing to your health. Uh, You can visit my website at getbetterwellness.com to read more articles and sign up for my newsletter. So uh, today we are talking about real food nutrition for a healthy pregnancy. So I needed to get somebody to help me explore this topic. So for me, the first time I was interested in eating nutritious food was about 21 years ago when I was expecting my first child. And unfortunately, I followed the standard advice being dispensed for nutrition, and now I see that I um, didn't eat as well as I thought I was. I didn't feed my babies right, and now I have to fix everything. (laughs) So, so if you hear somebody on the line with me, I would like to introduce Anna Durhock. Welcome, Anna. Thank you, Erin. It's great to be here. Anna is um, from Minnesota, and she has earned a degree in dietetics and has her master's degree in nutrition from University of Bridgeport in Connecticut, and she is now located in Minnesota and and a licensed nutritionist through the Minnesota Board of Dietetics and Nutrition, and she is on staff with Darlene Kavist, who I interviewed earlier, Um, and their company is called Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Now, you're based out of, what, the St. Paul office, is that correct? I used to, and now I work in Maple Grove. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, you know, there's um, good. Yeah, that's what we want to be, close to the house. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that, you know, everybody is aware that there's no better time to pay attention to our nutrition than, you know, preconception and pregnancy, but we need the right information. So that's why (laughs) um, I wanted to explore this topic with you. You know, besides being at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, I just want to mention that you can listen to Anna and other nutritionists, along with Darlene Kavist, on iTunes uh, through their Dishing Up Nutrition radio show. Um, And the website where you can find all of this is nutritionalweightandwellness.com, all spelled out. So, Anna, tell us about your family and how you ended up pursuing the field of nutrition so we have a better understanding about you. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I was fairly young when I got married. I was still actually in college. And um, I thought before I came to Nutritional Weight and Wellness, I thought I knew pretty much all there was to know about nutrition. (laughs) And I was totally wrong. And so when I started working with DAR, my whole world changed and just how I looked at food and 
um, which was a good thing because when I right when I started my master's program, I got pregnant with my first daughter, and so I know she would have had quite a few you know weird things and complications if I hadn't started eating better because I had a terrible diet. I was eating you know lots of cereal, um, heavy heavy grains in my diet, uh, very small amounts of protein. Um, so I know she I probably would have had you know. Um, a lot of uh, weight gain with my pregnancy, and she probably would have had quite a few issues, uh, probably several sugar cravings as a child. Um, so that's kind of how I got started with, um, you know, just eating eating more healthy. And um, I had quite a few hor- hormonal problems already when I started working for DAR. Mm-hmm. And um, so, in order for me to have a healthy pregnancy, I I made I made sure I. Um, I really cleaned up my diet. I had been on birth control for a few years, so I started taking um, a little progesterone cream because I was worried that the estrogen from the birth control was going to affect, you know, a miscarriage or something like that. So there was several things I did um, in a short period of time to make sure my body was healthy for this baby. Um, but that's really how I got started. Um, and now my, my oldest is almost seven. She'll be seven in June, and I have two other children. Um, Genevieve will be five, and Luke is almost three. So... Wow. Or Genevieve is five, but Luke is almost three, yeah. So. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> so still a busy household with three, yes, five, and yes. almost seven. <laughs> yep. So, um, so, I mean, but the biggest thing for me was learning how important healthy fats were. I definitely was eating the wrong fats, um, and you know what they are. They're, you know, it's the, I can't believe it's not butter and um, you know, because we we thought that was better for us. They didn't have cholesterol, and I think that's a lot of pr- people's problem today, Erin, is that we are so like fat deficient that that's why all these infertility problems are going on. Um, I agree. You know, I agree. You know, because the body needs fat to support life and everything else. So. Well, you know what, since you mentioned fats, why don't we start there because this is probably one of the biggest um, things that we are told wrong. You know, if you look on uh, any of the standard, (laughs) you know, (laughs) websites, the government, it's going to tell you if you're pregnant you should eat lots of low-fat this and that, and... That's just wrong, <laughs> and you and I appreciate that there's no science that backs up uh, what they're saying, and there's plenty of science that backs up the fat that we need to eat fat. So what are the healthy fats again? Why don't you just list some of them, and let's talk a little bit more about why we need them, not just pregnant women, but all of us need yeah. them. <laughs> okay, so we the healthy fats that me and Aaron both agree are, are awesome are going to be the butter, um, hopefully grass-fed if you can find it, olive oil, extra virgin, um, avocados, extra virgin coconut oil, um, olives, um, the, the the raw nuts and seeds. Um, oh, there's so many. But those are like the main core ones that you're going to want to use um, every day. Uh, and it's they just support pretty much everything because every cell membrane is actually made from fat. And so... That's what gives our cells, you know, the integrity, the strength. It keeps things that should be in the cell in and keeps viruses and um, cancer out of the cell. So, I mean, it's 
It's what you need for a healthy functioning metabolism, a healthy brain, which is another story with pregnancy and <laughs> but you know and for the fetus as well. So that's like the those are the main purposes of fat and plus it gives us a feeling of fullness so that we're not eating a bunch of junk like um candy and crackers and cookies and things like that. So it's it's all those things that that's why we need those healthy fats. Right. So um we you mentioned you know the 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 fat fats that what are you recommending people eat in terms of quantity of fat because we said yes eat olive oil butter coconut oil and they're probably going to put this little dot on there and that's not what we're after <laughs> that's right especially if we're pregnant and especially if you know you you have been you know kind of following a like you said a standard american diet where it's you know really low fat I would say at least a tablespoon per meal. You know, if it's going to be butter, put a tablespoon on, you know, your vegetables or a good tablespoon of coconut oil when you're frying your eggs with some kale, you know, something like that's a good standard to go by. And you could even go up to two tablespoons depending on, um, you know, uh, craving levels and blood sugar issues, things like that. So, but usually a tablespoon is good. Okay, good. Or half, or half a avocado, lot of people are happy now <laughs> <laughs> because they thought they couldn't eat butter and people always apologize to me like, I'm trying to get the butter out. I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're putting the butter back in. And, and you said grass-fed butter. I don't know um, if they have this by you, but around here in the Chicago area, we can get Kerrygold butter, which is grass-fed Irish cows. Oh, I don't yes. know why we can't I've... get <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that, yes. Oh. Yeah, we do have it even in our Walmart, Trader Joe's, Costco, and so that is accessible to everybody around here anyway, and you can always order it online. Whatever you want is always available online if you live in some, you know, remote location of the world. world. Um, so, (laughs) So talk about the other places we get healthy fats, the other animal foods and things like that. Yeah, so we, I mean, you can get, and if you, if, you find grass-fed beef, that's another great source of healthy fats, especially high in omega-3s. Um, the DHA found in um, free-range organic egg yolks. Um, there's, I mean, there's several forms, like even if you use a good almond butter on, on an apple, I mean, that's a, a really healthy form of fat, um, which can be used in several different ways. Sometimes I put it in smoothies. Um, sometimes I make... Um, these things called almond oatmeal balls, which are phenomenal as well, and it kind of satisfies a sweet tooth every once in a while. So, um, mm-hmm. and then and then any type of fish, especially the fatty fish, though, like the salmon and um, mackerel, things like that, that have that rich omega three fatty acid in them. So, um, what else? Avocados. I, I love avocados. I encourage my yeah. kids to eat at least one a day. <laughs> And there's how are they eating them? Are they just peeling it and chomping down, or do you have ways? Because there's some people who just think <laughs> they don't like question, it, which I can't imagine. Um, yeah, some people really don't like the taste, and so usually, I if they if they don't like the taste, I have them um, um, add like some salsa and kind of mash it, almost like you know guacamole, and they tend to really like that. Um, if they do and they'll eat it plain, um, usually I'll have them throw it on a salad or. Um, just sprinkle it with a little bit of sea salt and balsamic vinegar. Um, I mean, several ways. Um, sometimes I have them um, cut it up in slices and put it in um, like a turkey roll-up like with some, mm-hmm. you know, organic nitrate-free deli meat. Um, 
So, I mean, those are just several ways. I, sometimes if people aren't real sensitive to bananas, if they don't have really high triglycerides or, you know, they don't have real sensitive blood sugars, I'll have them make a green pudding with it. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of that, Erin? Um, so you just, you know, you Yeah. Can, Not with a banana, yeah. but with, you know, avocado and even... <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so usually we just take like a small half of banana and then we do a half of avocado and you just mash it up and it actually is really, really tasty. So, I mean, right. those are things that that I do. So, And there's um, chocolate pudding you can make with an avocado and, you know, a little bit of coconut milk and stevia to sweeten it up a bit and 100%, you know, raw cocoa powder. Raw cocoa powder. That's pretty yep. phenomenal. Yes. Um, <laughs> because yes, people have chocolate cravings. Yes. And it's satisfying because it's got all that good fat in it. So you're, you know, you're not going to want to eat, you know, everything else in sight. So. Right. Um tell me what, you know, what kind of um you mentioned DHA and egg yolks. And where else are you recommending the uh people get DHA from? Um usually because there's not a whole ton of it in our food supply, I have um, any pregnant woman or, or nursing woman take DHA, like a DHA supplement, and it's usually from algae. So it's an algae-based source because it's you're going to get the, the most amount of DHA from an algae-based um, DHA. Um, fish oil does have good amounts of DHA, but it kind of sometimes competes with the EPA in it. So we, we like to put um, pregnant women on the, the the LG source of DHA. Um, I mean, there's other ways. How much? Um, usually four to 600 milligrams per day. So that can be anywhere okay. from two to three cap- capsules or gel caps. So, But usually, I, if they're willing to eat two eggs a day, I usually put them on two because then they're getting... 100 milligrams each in one egg yolk. So good to know. Yeah. But um, the DHA, it's good for the brain. Yeah. Is that the eyes too? Yes. Yep. You're right. It's the retinal health of the of the eye. Yeah. So it's very very important for brain development, um, specifically in the fetal stage and also um, in the first three or four years of life. Very very important. Um, so um, I have. I mean. Any child that comes in that's not on DHA, I put them on DHA, um, and my kids have been taking it since they were infants. So, um, but yeah, so it's very, very important for brain development, for focus, um, for um, any type of language skills and um, and things like that. So, um, but also for eye health, it's the most concentrated in the brain and the retina. So it's um, very, very important for that as well. Um, but it also they're they're finding with just you know people who aren't pregnant um, or nursing, they're finding that DHA can be more powerful than even the EPA and fish oil at um, preventing um, heart disease and like inflammation of the blood vessels. So, that's well, let thing. me ask you since you've given it to your babies and every child that comes across your path. What? Um, give me a brand, because obviously it's some sort of drops then that you're using with the babies, right? Yeah, the, or there... the babies. Okay, <laughs> I have it out there on the the shelf, um, but the okay, there. But it's a drop, and I can I can email it to you too, and you could uh, list it on your on one of your next podcasts. Sorry. Yeah, I can put it on the show notes for this page too. But okay. it's probably something, you know, people can find. Maybe even, I don't know if Carlson carries something like that because I know they have 
vitamin D yeah. drops. So, um, but that'd be yeah. something that's that's something I wasn't um, really thinking about giving it. You know, like you said, the first three to four years of life, mm-hmm. they're still developing. But then we need it, too, because we want our brains to be sharp. So who doesn't need it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I took four this morning. (laughs) Okay. Well, I get mine from from cod liver oil. So you're saying you've got some probably study in the back of your mind where it's more powerful than EPA for the brain, and it sometimes competes uh, in fish oil EPA. Is that um, what you're finding? Is that why you're doing that? Yeah, and that's why I usually try to do the LG-based form. And fish oil is great, and you still will use some of the DHA, but, it, yeah, it's just not as powerful. So, I like, um, we, I mean, we sell one um, that's our own brand, and it's very, very high quality, um, and it's, called, it's just our Nutri-Key brand. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's another one I found, and this is the one that my, that my kids like because um, they, they don't like the DH, our DHA because they actually bite into it. <laughs> so okay. um, I, um, Nordic Naturals has a really good um, strawberry yeah. essence DHA, and I, that's the one that my kids like, so I get that one. Yeah, and that's oh, and a really good not, brand too. It, yes, they do. And they, they, it's not a ch- children's one. I actually just get the regular one for adults. And it's mm-hmm. got more DHA in each capsule, and that's why I like it. So okay, but and then um, do you know anything about fermented cod liver oil, like green pastures fermented cod liver oil? Do you do I, much I of that? <laughs> I know a little bit about it from Sally Fallon and Nourishing Traditions. Um, I know it's it's a higher quality, and it doesn't tend to have it has a better balance of vitamin a and vitamin d in it um Mm -hmm. because sometimes you know they're super super high in vitamin a and very low in vitamin d um so i i I know it's definitely a a higher quality product so if you can find fermented cod liver oil which you usually can whether you go online Mm -hmm. or you go to a good you know co-op or whole food store um you're going to find that but that would definitely be something that i would recommend over just a regular cod liver oil yeah and um, I've used it once, and then I ran out and didn't get it again, so I'm back to, you know, something else. But right, so right, it is, you know, it's lacto-fermented, so that, you know, really helps the vitamin A, you know, be more easily absorbed. And you require less of it. So it, although it seems more expensive, uh, you know, ounce for ounce, you're oh. using probably a third of what you'd use in regular liver oil. So you mentioned grass-fed beef um, and free-range eggs. Um, and fa- and what about salmon, other? You know, yeah, salmon. Right? Have it. Um, sardines are wonderful, and if if people like sardines, I encourage them to eat them every day because there's virtually no mercury in sardines. So it's one of the perfect fish to eat. Um, and same with wild-caught salmon. I mean, there's very very low mercury levels in them too. So. You know, if they can, How much but, fish can can especially pregnant women eat in your mind? In my mind, that's it's such a misconception. But I think I think of the Japanese, and I think of Japanese women eating fish every day. So, really, I mean, I think pregnant women are safe eating it three three four times a week if they really want to, um, as long as they're mm-hmm. eating high quality fish. So, yeah, I I right. don't see any reason why you know. Um, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. It's like, why should we limit that if it's, you know, good fish, you know, and it's good for us? Well, right. And then I don't know if you've um, 
heard Chris Kresser speak about the selenium in um, fish acts like a mercury magnet. So unless you're eating those gargantuan fish, as long as the fish has more selenium than mercury, you're golden. And there's only a few fish that most of us aren't eating anyway. So, yeah, Yeah. if you um, go on his website, chriscresser.com, you can look up that article on selenium. So that... Really? You know, along with what you said about the Japanese, made me feel really confident in saying, do not worry about the mercury if you're sticking with the fish that we recommend that are wild right. caught, you know, salmon and sardines for sure. Um, because, you know, all of us, especially pregnant women, need to eat fish and you yeah. can find ways to like it. So let's say, yeah. like me, <laughs> I used to hate fish. And, uh-huh. um, and so what do you do with a person who hates fish? How do you get them to think, even think about a sardine? They're not, you know, fun to look at. That is a great question. And actually, okay, so I teach a lot of our classes. That's like my favorite thing to do. And I, for our weight and wellness series, that's our six-week series, I bring in um, sardines for everybody to try. But I do it in a way where people actually don't know it's sardines. So mm-hmm. I take a can. I usually just get the olive oil-based one. And I mix it with a little, you know, safflower mayonnaise. And then mm-hmm. I add a little bit of, you know, sweet pickle relish from Trader Joe's. And they have no clue it's sardines. Mm-hmm. Um, they think it's tuna. And and then I tell mm-hmm. them that it's sardines and they're like, what? So that's, <laughs> that's, part, of the re- that's part of the way I get people to eat sardine, more sardines. Um, another way, especially people who don't like salmon because it's, you know, it's a stronger fish, I have them try... Um, just to make our salmon cakes. We have a great recipe for salmon cakes, and it it's gluten-free. It's, it uses wild rice instead of breadcrumbs. And so, and it's, it uses canned salmon, so it's a little bit more economical. And um, people love salmon cakes. They, they taste basically like, like crab cakes, and they're mm-hmm. super good, and they're filling. So that's one way I get people to eat fish. Um, good. Or I, have a, I, put, I sometimes have them make it like a fish stew. Um, and usually that's more white fish, but you know what, right. whatever way you can get <laughs> to eat fish is, you know, if they don't like it. So now you mentioned um, your salmon cake recipe. That's on the website nutritionalweightandwellness.com. You have a recipe section with you know some good recipes. But do you have a cookbook that you all recommend or that you use personally? That's a real food cookbook people could um, pick up. Yes. Um, one of them is it's called our Dishing Up Nutrition Guide. That's one we sell. Um, and then there's an, there's a couple other ones. Um, I love Nourishing Traditions, which is a wonderful. It's a nutrition resource plus a cookbook. Um, that one was right. by Sally Fallon. You know probably know that one. Um, yep. And then and Mary Inig too. I'm pretty sure. I think they're co-authored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's um, one called the Schwartzbein Principle Cookbook. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah, I love okay. her stuff too. She's awesome. The, yeah, the name of the book that started it all, yeah, the Schwartzbein Principle, and I bring it to class. I'm like, I know this name <laughs> is a terrible name for a book, but it's a phenomenally easy reading book. With you just won't put it down, and it's convinced these. Um, you know, I have some, and you probably do too, where the wife will come yeah. to the class, and then tries to tell the husband, you, "You're doing it all wrong. You need to eat butter, and you need to eat." <laughs> You know, grass-fed beef, and um, yes. so one wife gave her husband a copy of the Schwartzbein principle, and then all of a sudden the husband's like, 
did you know we should be eating fat? And <laughs> and if I want my cholesterol down, and so sometimes you know our family members need to hear it from a, a source like that because Diana Schwartzbein's an MD, and yes. so you're you're talking about the cookbook that also goes along with that. Yes, exactly. Oh. So and Good. That, and it's it's easy to read. Like those that book is so easy for people to understand. And that's yes. why I love that that book. But the cookbook's great too because it's got awesome recipes and like you like you said they're balanced and yeah they're real foods. So and I'm um, gonna say a shout. Oh, I was just gonna Go give a shout out to a friend of mine here who oh. does a cooking blog that's all grain free and dairy free. Nice. And um, so it's Kelsey's Creations with K's K E L C I E. Kelsey's, yeah, creations with a K, K R E A T I O N S, dot blogspot dot com. And it's it's really incredible because Kelsey healed um, herself. She's 17 and had backed herself into one of those corners of eating five foods because everything hurt and made her sick. And she and her mother figured out, um, and this is on my podcast a few weeks ago her story but they figured out it was you know food sensitivities and so she went on to heal her gut and now she you know does these recipes so that and with pictures and just the fact that she's 17 makes everybody feel like all right if a 17 year old can learn how to do this i can learn how to do this (laughs) that's great that's awesome i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on her blog that's awesome yeah because she's taken over the cooking for the family and has younger siblings who want you know chicken nuggets so she has a recipe using almond flour and you know so no grains and um and let's talk about grains since we're going there um what what's the recommendation (laughs) (laughs) well I would say ugh, grains are so inflammatory, um, you know, especially the gluten ones. I just, you know, if they have, if, you know, a pregnant woman or anyone, if they have intestinal issues already, you know, even before their baby is born, I, I really encourage them to not eat gluten because chances are they're going to, their baby's going to have problems digesting it if they, if they already do. So, and, um, this I'll, I'll go into my story. This is but this is about my son, and this is really when I started going gluten free. So, when he was uh, four months old, um, I, I started having problems, um, you know, with enough supply of breast milk, and so I had to supplement a little bit. And all of a sudden, he had a terrible reaction. He had eczema all over his body, and um, up to that point, he had been fine. And so I, you know, I called my midwife right away, and she's like definitely do not give him any type of formula. Um, so I started diluting a little bit of, co- like, you know, real good canned coconut milk with a little water, and that's how I supplemented. Um, but anyway, back to the grain story, I basically had to do an elimination diet with him. Um, and I first cut out the gluten and the dairy, and that didn't seem, I mean, it, it helped, but it didn't seem to get rid of the eczema. So then I had to go egg-free, which I love eggs. <laughs> And um, and I gave up my chocolate, which is really hard for me too. <laughs> and um, within a month of giving up all four of those things, um, he was his skin was totally cleared up. So um, wow. that was an indication to me that wow, I really do have problems with gluten. I should have never been eating it for this long. 
Um, and yeah, and so I've stayed off it since then, and I feel so much better. And I've, I know that's when I started losing some weight, some of my, some of my baby weight. So um, it's it's really powerful. And um, and people are like, well, how can you know your baby react to your you know the things you're eating in your breast milk? It's like because they feel that same sensitivity in their body because your body's reacting to it, and that's really what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, but that's so that's. So my, you have my, um, your son, your son Luke. Is he still gluten, dairy, egg, and chocolate free? No, no, no. Thank God. Um, no, so <laughs> good. Egg, he handles eggs now. <laughs> he, um, if he does have dairy, he still reacts to dairy. So I, I really try to keep him off the dairy. Um, and uh, you can notice it right away on his cheek. That's where it starts. Um, so he, he's virtually. Um, dairy free. He does every once in a while. He, he we cook with butter, so he handles butter and he handles a little bit of cream, um, but mostly dairy free. Um, gluten he hardly ever gets, um, but that's another thing that he still reacts to. So I I really as long as I, he's eating at my house and I can control everything, um, he's gluten free mm-hmm. too. So yeah. So the dairy, do you think it's lactose or do you think it's casein or both? I think. I think it's casein because he never had like the intestinal issues. Like he never was gassy. You know he, he yeah. You know how they you know the babies um they curl up when when they're in pain. He never yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. It was definitely more mm-hmm. the skin inflammation. But I so mm-hmm. I think it was more casein than anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I I I mentioned this with Dar, and I know this isn't um you know Minnesota information. So, <laughs> but the um. Google this, the devil in the milk, and maybe you've come across yeah. this, but um, the casein that we have here in America is beta casein A1, and that's the yeah. one everybody's reacting to. And we need uh-huh. um, beta casein A2, which is impossible to find um, unless you happen to have, um, you know, access to African and Indian cows. But Okay. Then I just mentioned that you can get that from um, Beyond Organic, and I, I access that because of my clients who are sensitive ah. to dairy. I wanted that. And um, so you can go to my website to get to that, or you can go right to Swero, S-U-E-R-O, dot mybeyondorganic.com. So that... Um, is you know just a resource there for A2 casein raw cheese um, fermented cultured dairy it's like a drinkable yogurt cheese curds okay. you know cheese crackers oh my gosh. so it's good for people with the casein deal that lactose yeah. can't help you there but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that would help me but because <laughs> I think yeah. I react to both but okay that's awesome all right no okay because I think yeah I think when you were talking. I was listening to the podcast with Dar. I think you mentioned that yep. too. The A2 casein. Okay, that is awesome. Yeah, See, I yeah. love it. It's I not common knowledge, and no. it's something we need to know that um, you know is out there. So there's article and even a book called The Devil in the Milk. Um, so so we're not eating gluten. That's just bad, bad, bad. What do you tell people who say, "But I have to have." My rice or my quinoa, you know, are there any that we can have or and what's the quantity and things like that? Yeah, um so I do I don't mind some of the other, you know, gluten free grains like I I like wild rice. I usually have uh, most of my clients do wild rice as long as they don't react to it, which most people don't. So um and I like 
I, I, I'm okay with brown rice as long as it's a half a cup. That's a good serving to stick with. Um, quinoa is great as well. Um, I like I like to use that in several different things. I, I usually put it in soup or I use it as um, – if people are used to eating oatmeal and they really don't handle oats at all anymore, even gluten-free oats, I have them do a quinoa hot cereal in the morning. Um but that's, again, about a half a cup, especially if they've got weight issues um, and they're trying to keep blood sugars down. I definitely, half a cup is a good standard, and that's cooked. So um, the other okay, one. Okay, and that's not very much food, so they must, you must not. be telling me something else. <laughs> yeah, so usually, like, if they if they want that, like, if they want quinoa or they want some gluten-free grain, I, you know, say half a cup of quinoa or or if they want to do a half a sweet potato, that's fine too. And then I'd have them do some type of protein, which it would be, you know, two eggs, um, or I'm we have a great turkey sausage breakfast sausage recipe, um, or I mean, sometimes I have my clients do chili in the morning. You know, it, it you know we have to get away from this breakfast food syndrome. <laughs> that's what I like to call it. Right. You know, in America, mm-hmm. we think you know cereal and oatmeal and you know bacon and eggs. That's the only thing you can eat in the morning, but it's really not. Mhm. Yeah, but so the, what I mean, did so, you um sorry, what did you have for breakfast today? If this was a normal morning? day. Great question. Okay, so this is one of my favorite breakfasts. I have probably have this couple, at least two or three times a week. I do I sauteed up kale um in coconut oil and then I threw some chorizo sausage from the farmers market in there. And for those of you who don't know what chorizo is, it's um a really good Spanish Spanish spices in like a pork sausage. So, um, and then, um, and then I had, um, and then I threw my, my two eggs in there. So, and, oh, and my favorite cheese, which I can handle because it's from (laughs) sheep's milk. Good. (laughs) And it's, it's a, it's a sheep's milk feta from Trader Joe's. It actually comes from Israel. Mm. I'm trying to think, I think it's Pastures of, of Eden. I think that's the name, the brand, but it's delicious. So I handle that fine. So yeah, I sauteed that up and that was my breakfast. So, okay. So people who aren't used to kale, you know, <laughs> when you cook it in oil, it's completely different. So you you got to give it a try. Kale chips, you know, yes. uh, kale kale sautéed. <laughs> if you think you're eating kale like with lettuce, it's, you know, in a salad, it's not not the way. You got to fix no. it with a little olive oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you? I I was gonna ask. Have you ever e- eaten it raw? I've never tried it raw. If you do, yeah, I did, and yuck. But if you rub the um, leaves with olive oil, it does something to it. It changes it. It breaks something down that's nasty in there and makes it delicious. So that's okay, the way to yeah. go. Um, yeah, if you I want to eat it raw. It. <laughs> okay, or putting but it in a smoothie. Yeah, olive oil helps it. Or putting it in a smoothie, it also breaks it down, and then you have other fats and things in the smoothie, like coconut milk or avocado to improve it too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so why well, are we trying spinach. to get our pregnant ladies to eat um these dark green leafies like kale? Why or how or what? sorry, I missed the first Yes, part. So we'll start with why. Why are we, you know, okay. focusing on these vegetables that are a little bit challenging? <laughs> challenging to eat. <laughs> um <laughs> mostly because they are power packed with antioxidants, with crucial minerals um um such as selenium and um magnesium things like that that our bodies um a lot of times can become fairly deficient in um 
but also um, very, very rich in um, vitamins, uh, B vitamins and things like that that give us energy that are good for our heart and our brains. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can get, you can eat so much and with so little effect on blood sugars. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of people are dealing with that and especially gestational diabetes has gone up in steadily in the past even 10 years. So, you know, the rise of gestational diabetes. So I think it's really important that we eat more of the green leafies because, again, of the nutritional quality of them, you know, especially the antioxidants, um, but also, you know, just because we don't eat enough vegetables in our society. <laughs> so it's no. an easy way to, you know, because they, they take like one or two minutes to saute and then you throw your eggs on and you've got breakfast in five minutes. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to, you know, incorporate even though we... We don't like eating them sometimes. <laughs> and what's the quantity we should focus on uh, trying to get in terms of vegetables per day? Per day? Uh, we say at Nutritional and Wellness, five cups, well, three cups is fine, but five cups is divine. So <laughs> um, if, you can, if, you can, if you can focus on three cups a day and then kind of go up to five, that's great. That's like one cup a meal. Um, but yeah. usually, you know, we encourage our clients and our students to try to get five cups a day of, of okay. real, you know, light veggies. So, Yeah, um, and if you're not putting them in your breakfast, you don't want to be at dinner time trying to eat five cups of vegetables. <laughs> no, that's a lot. You probably won't be able to do that. <laughs> that's a lot of veggies, yeah. So, I mean, you know, one cup per meal or one and a half cups, and that's that'll get you up there. So. Yeah, and even at, at, at you know, at, um, it's easy to get celery and peanut butter in at a snack and, um, mm-hmm. you know, even carrots and hummus, that's a great way too. So, yeah. So you started, you were talking about, um, you know, balancing blood sugar and, you know, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, how are we constructing our meals to balance our blood sugar and what kind of foods are going to cause us problems? Okay, so the best way to you know to keep your blood sugar balance is going to be incorporating all three of the core nutrients, so or the the three big ones we call them, you know, proteins, fats, and carbs. So every time you eat, you want to eat, you know, between two and four, this is for women, but between two and four ounces of protein, and then you want to have at least a cup of vegetables in there, um, preferably the the lighter ones. So, you know, green beans, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, and then a good tablespoon of fat to kind of balance everything out. Um, and you can add, you know, like um, a starchy vegetable in there if you want, like a half a sweet potato or, you know, like I mentioned before, the half a cup of quinoa um, or a piece of fruit. But if you've got really sensitive blood sugars and you handle, you know, a meal without those starchy things, then I would say, you know, kind of maybe cut those out for a little bit. Um, or don't mm-hmm. eat them at every meal, you know. Um, and um, but the things you may really want to avoid, um, we kind of talked about this before. Grains, uh, especially grains from the, the gluten grains, wheat and and rye and any type of bread, is really going to spike the blood sugar. So those are really things you want to kind of cut out or really um, um, minim- minimalize in your diet um, because they 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 break down into sugar quite quickly, um, and then they're also inflammatory, so it causes all kind of kinds of problems in the cell. Um, but then also, like anything that's going 
like anything like popcorn, which we think is a diet food, <laughs> high in fiber. Yeah. That you know that can definitely spike the blood sugar. Um, ice cream is a huge one as well. Um, you know, crackers, cookies, um, chips. Chips are huge, even though we you know they don't taste sweet. They're definitely going to spike the blood sugar. They're you know they're all carbs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, any type of cold cereal, very, very bad cold cereal is, um, you know, and they come up with a new one every day. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, that's the, you know, or any cereal bars. I mean, they are loaded with sugar, and there's barely any fiber in them, so there's nothing to really kind of counteract that sugar. Um, those are, I mean, that's, and, and even too much fruit at one time can spike your blood sugar, so you want to be careful with fruit. Fruit's wonderful for you, but um, never eat it by itself. That's why I, I always tell all my clients, you know, always eat some protein or at least some fat with fruit. Otherwise, it's really going to give you a blood sugar spike. And people don't realize that they may be having blood sugar issues, and I, you know, I'm raising my hand here, <laughs> that <laughs> I ate whatever I wanted for 40 years because I really didn't battle the weight thing, and so I thought I could eat, you know, several fudge sickles after I worked out and that, you know, <laughs> snicker bar every day and hide the uh-huh. box of Girl Scout cookies in my glove box so I wouldn't have to share it. I mean, I was, you know, addicted, but I didn't think it mattered because I thought, Uh you know, as soon as I start gaining weight, I'll just cut this out. You know, it's so simple in my head. But then, um, you know, I I started eating better, of course, you know, in the last uh, 10 or so years when I got into nutrition. But I was doing um, a research paper on reversing diabetes with nutrition and working on how to test the blood sugar, you know, like one hour after meal, two hours after meal, to see really how you are handling whatever it is you're eating because nobody can yeah. really tell somebody what to eat. So anyway, I'm like practicing. I read Wheat Belly and, you know, Dr. Davis says, oh, two pieces of a whole wheat bread will raise your blood sugar faster than a couple spoonfuls of sugar. And I just thought, well, no, that can't be true. <laughs> so I tested my blood sugar and it went sky high diabetic sky high. level. And I I uh, was in denial for a while, so that is just how how you don't know what's going on with your blood sugar. And we're told to eat a diet according to a food pyramid, which is actually the diet that will get you diabetes and overweight. So the things yes. we're talking about that Anna's telling us um, are based on science and not on um, the dollar bill and subsidized <laughs> grains that are genetically modified. Uh-oh, get me off my soapbox. <laughs> we love it, Erin. I love it. Oh, but so, all right, I'm calming so down. True. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of those depleting foods to avoid because some of the things you mentioned, um, ice cream and popcorn um, and crackers are like staples in many um, diets of pregnant women, and some yeah. of it has to do with cravings. Um, so, <laughs> you know, why are we telling them they can't have these things they're craving or, you know, what they're doing is harming their bodies and their babies? But what, you know, besides the blood sugar roller coaster, um, what else is, are we finding in cookies, chips, and crackers and ice cream that we want to avoid? <laughs> the big one, besides obviously the sugar, is the trans fats that's found in most of those products. Um, and, you know, they, I throw trans fats out loosely, but you really got to, you have to look at the ingredients on things. So if 
something says partially hydrogenated oil or, you know, fully hydrogenated oil, that's basically a trans fat, and those things are going to cause severe problems in your cell, in your baby. Um, what they do is they form this crust, so around your cell wall, and that actually blocks glucose or, you know, simple sugar from getting into the into the cell so you can use it as energy. So what it's doing is it's causing more insulin resistance or what we call like basically prediabetes because all this sugar now, you know, insulin is no longer able to push it through into the cell and so it's all, you know, roaming around in the bloodstream and insulin is, you know, a storing hormone and so insulin says, well, i got to get this out of the bloodstream so it just stores it in your fat cells. But the problem is when you're pregnant, that's not only happening to you, it's happening to your baby. Your baby becomes very sensitive to sugar at that you know, that fetal, fetal stage, and they're going to have so many problems as a child, as an adult, with sugar. That makes them so much more in, insulin, um, or, you know, insulin resistant as a child than, it, and than they would have been if you would have eaten the kale and eggs and the sweet potatoes and steak and things like that. So, you know, it's it's long-term problems that these terrible trans fats cause, and that's why it's really important to stay away from those, you know, products that are going to spike the blood sugar because they're going to have the trans fats in them as well. So, right. Did I explain that okay? and, uh, <laughs> yes, perfect. And just, you know, every time I look at this factory food, I I see it just declining, and our food supply is getting worse and worse by the day. And um, you know, as far as artificial sweeteners and just these chemicals they're putting in things, and you know, the preservatives. Ah, yes. Oh, there. So, okay, I have to tell you. I have, sorry. I have ahead. to tell you this. Okay, so this was actually came from one of my students in my one of my classes, and she was talking about how they how. You know, when grave sites get really full and they have to dig up bones and then they, you know, to um, shift shift them around to make, you know, they're, to make mm-hmm. room for other people, headstones. Lovely, anyway, yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're lovely, right? Great job. But they were finding that the bones, even of these people who are, you know, have been there for 40, 30 years, were not <laughs> disintegrating. Like, they weren't turning into earth again. They, they were not you know, because of all the preservatives in our food. <laughs> wow. And I just Yuck. thought that was so nasty. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, anyway, I mean, that's how processed our environment, our foods have become. Right. You know, yeah. we've been talking about all of this, but this isn't um, nutrition for the day you find out you're pregnant. If you're even <laughs> thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, starting a family, how soon do we really need to get on board and get off the standard American diet if we're even thinking about getting pregnant? <laughs> well, when when couples come in and they you know they're like we want to get healthy, we want to you know get pregnant, um, I I tell them don't even start trying for six months because that's at least how long it's going to take you to get into a habit of eating better, um, but also so you can heal you know your cells so you're as healthy as you can be before that baby is conceived. So that's. I mean, and that's and that's through research too. I I'm not just pulling that out of my you know, my bottom. Um, that you know they, you know, African cultures do that. You know, they eat certain foods for you know four to six months prior to um, conceiving, so that they're really healthy, so that they can support that baby. 
Um, and so the baby is as healthy as it can be when, it, when you know, it's born. And so that's really what they're seeing is, you know, four to six months of eating a really healthy, nourishing diet. And that's what's going to prepare you the best to, uh, to, to have a healthy baby. So, right. And uh, yeah. so to underscore what you said before, it's not a low-fat diet. Don't do that thinking this is a no. strategy to keep your weight low. <laughs> eating low-fat will actually make you gain weight. And I know it's counterintuitive, and for your whole life you've been beat over the head with the food pyramid, <laughs> but it's not based on science. So No, it's it not. And we know it works, right? Yes. <laughs> and even if you, you know, Gary Tobbs, he states this in his both books, like, you know, before 1950 we ate, you know, a moderately high-fat diet, and we didn't have all these problems, and we and people weren't obese, you know, and if they were, they tended to eat very um um, high sugar diets anyway. So again, it's you know it's they and they knew to cut out starches when they needed to lose weight. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. Sense, but I, I so in getting ready for this show, I stumbled across um, some studies for people thinking about getting pregnant, and you know we're we're talking about the man too here. This isn't um, yeah. you know one, one a one person pregnancy, but there were a couple studies in the lead scientist is um, out of Harvard, and his name is Jorge Chavarro. I'm sure I'm messing that up. <laughs> but he, um, there's a study that he was part of that said um, women who eat lots of low-fat dairy products or just low-fat foods, you know, face 85% higher risk of ovulatory infertility than women who eat um, little or no. So that's you know, one one study was saying, you know, you're going to have more problems with fertility if you're eating low-fat and fat-free. But for men, um, you know, their sperm count goes down when they drink soda. I don't know if it was the caffeine or the high-fructose corn syrup. But the other thing, you know, you haven't told us to eat corn. Why, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, up here in Minnesota, it's really hard to find good sweet corn. Um, I love sweet corn. I'm a Minnesota girl through and through, but, I mean, I, I don't buy it unless it comes from the, the farmer's market and it's organic because all all corn is almost, all, almost all of it is genetically modified, and I just don't trust what that stuff does to us. Um, and it's it's not a digestible food. I mean, you know, if you eat corn, you can where it, you know you can see it it's totally non-digested so i think it's very hard for us to even you know digest it i i doubt we're getting much nutrients from it anyway because of um how genetically modified it is so i mean and and i i know a lot of my clients have had problems with corn so i just uh, you know right. if if it if you do eat corn i would say make sure it's organic um you know but um again it's and it's it's not a super nutritious food, so that's something you know that I I'm not um, exactly thrilled to tell my clients to eat. So. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's not a vegetable; it's a grain. No. And grain. It's used <laughs> to fatten up the farm animals, and I it does know. the same thing to us. Besides being GMO, <laughs> like you say, um, I think if you got you know an organic corn and wanted to have you know Fourth of July, you know, go all yeah. for it. Just make sure you're eating your grass-fed beef and butter on it it. so that it slows down. (laughs) 
But also there are some um, people that are getting organic corn and sprouting it, and that makes it more digestible too. But that's not, you know, super easy to find. But the, um, another thing um, that I found uh, related to corn, you know, America's cornfields are not just GMO. They're also loaded with pesticides. Yeah. And one pesticide, atrazine, is an endocrine disruptor. So male corn farmers who work with this atrazine and other pesticides have lower sperm counts too. So there's just, you know, a real, real strong um, <laughs> argument here for only <laughs> organic corn. It's just not worth it. But it unfortunately, isn't. all those processed foods, that's um, a staple in all of them. It's either soy or corn on every package because it's cheap. <laughs> Yes, very cheap, and it's subsidized. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's something that I mean. And you mentioned so- soy. I mean, soy is an endocrine disruptor too, <laughs> and it lowers yeah. the thyroid, you know, and it just raises estrogen levels. So that can I think that's a huge issue too. Is that you know we have all these guys walking around with high estrogen levels. That's not good for sperm, sperm count, you know, or any mm-hmm. fertility issues. So. I mean, I mean, and, and women, you know, we have too high estrogen. I mean, obviously, you take the birth control pill for 20 years before you try to get pregnant, and then you've got all this, these soy-based products in your diet. That's going to make for a very hard, difficult time to get pregnant. Um, and I, I say it wholeheartedly because I have a lot of clients who are trying to get pregnant, and they have a lot of healing to do before they probably will because of all the processed things they have eaten and just all the hormones that are in their body that are, you know, preventing them from conceiving. So, um, you know, it's it's a huge problem today. Yeah, the soy is um, has a halo on it, and it should have a devil's pitchfork. <laughs> it should, it should. It because like, of all the things you said, yeah, besides it being genetically modified, and it's it's a, you know, vegan, vegetarian staple, so what you know? What do you do if a person comes in your office who is, let's say, vegan even and wants to get pregnant? You know, we're not trying to tell somebody who has a philosophical right. thing, you know, with the animals, how to feel and think. But if you're doing it because you believe this is healthier, that's a different kind of education. So how would you, right. you know, educate that person? So um, I would, you know, I would strongly advise them you know i tell them you know that it's it's not it's not healthier because again soy soy increases estrogen and estrogen can make a lot of issues in the body and it lowers progesterone so the higher estrogen you have the lower your progesterone starts to fall and you need healthy progesterone levels to actually conceive but then also soy is much harder to digest and so it can cause a lot of intestinal issues with the gas and bloating. Um, and with all the genetically modified organisms in it, it probably even makes it even more hard to digest because our body's not used to that type of or form of soy. It's the same thing with wheat nowadays. And so not only is it causing problems in the gut, but it's causing um, your thyroid to slow down, even if you don't have thyroid problems. Um, and it's causing all this excess estrogen. So if you're, you know, you're actually better off eating um, like healthy grass-fed meat or free-range chicken and eggs than you are eating all of this processed soy. Um, And that's, again, that's how I'd educate somebody if they were willing to eat meat. (laughs) 
if they weren't, I would tell them they need to either be eating mostly tempeh, organic tempeh, which is, you know is a fermented soy, mm-hmm. or um, you know trying to get miso um, in you know a, a, in a chicken broth or something like that that ha- is a fermented form that has some probiotics, you know, um, because otherwise they're going to have a very hard time, um, you know getting that estrogen progesterone balance back in order and um so that's one thing that I would suggest, you know, that they that they do. If they if again they they think it's a healthier lifestyle rather than, you know, a philosophical you know, I don't want to Right. Eat. So, yeah. Right. Um So, um we have just a few minutes left. Um can you mention some supplements that you would recommend? Because we, you know, we just aren't able to get all the nutrients from our food. It's not always no, grown not. the best. We can't <laughs> always afford the perfect, you know, diet. So what what yeah. should we be doing as far as supplements? Um, okay, so you want to make sure that you're getting, uh, if uh, you know, definitely DHA. If you can get some good fermented cod liver oil or just a, a regular cod liver oil, that would be good, but you... But like one one or two teaspoons, so it depends. If you get like a fermented cod liver oil, one teaspoon's fine. Um, and then four to six hundred milligrams of DHA um, for a prenatal. You definitely want to, you know, get one that has um, minerals and vitamins. And like when I say minerals, I mean like calcium citrate and magnesium glycinate. Good forms of those minerals. Otherwise, you're not. It's going to make it really hard to digest and absorb any of them. Um, but usually, I tell clients that are pregnant to get a get one with high B vitamins because that, that'll mm-hmm. help with their energy levels. But also, it's going to have a higher level level of folate that they need, so the folic acid. Um, what's the other one? I mean, probiotics definitely. Um, and mm-hmm. usually, we tend to tell people about bifidobacteria because that's the one that's. Um, you know, um, in breast milk, so that their babies are going to get it when they nurse. Um, but also, it's going it's going to um, help the woman uh, with digestion and making sure that her body's absorbing nutrients, so the baby gets it. Um, right. You know, so I mean, those are the those are the big ones that I would say is you know a good probiotic with bifidobacteria in it, the DHA, um, a good multivitamin with minerals, and um, the cod liver oil. You know, if that, if especially if they're on a budget, you can't always, you know, supplement with everything that you make. Yeah, but those are the big ones. Yeah. Now, if if you're, you know, going to the doctor, they'll probably give you a prescription prenatal <laughs> multi. <laughs> yes. And we don't think. I have a feeling we don't think this is better than what you can get no. on your own. <laughs> Um, Every time I look at them, I'm like, no, 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 that's the junk form of the vitamin. Junk. You're not even absorbing that. So and, yeah, um, tell me your, like, you know, go ahead. Yeah, um, The one I like the best um, is it's called Fem Prenatal, and it's actually a product by Nutrition Dynamics. Um, I love that one. It's um, It's in packets, so basically you take, I think you take one packet a day, and it's you can split it up if you want. There's. There's, um, you know, the multivitamin, and then there's like the magne- the magnesium and cal- you know the multi mineral as, as well, um, and it still has iron. Um, if they don't handle tablets because they're all tablets, um, I usually have people take our twice a day multivitamin. Um, that's the one I took because I 
I am terrible at swallowing tablets, and I felt mm-hmm. I, they'd almost make me nauseous because I had morning sickness. So I I took our, multi, our twice a day, and that was fine because that one has really high B vitamins in it. Um, uh, there's a couple other one, good ones out there um, that you can find at the co-op, um, but those definitely the Fem Prenatal, if you can find that one, or you can order it online from Nutrition Dynamics. That is. Um, one of the best I've seen, and people tend to tolerate that one very well. Um, so, again, and it's it's a packet, so it's like everything you need, you know, yeah. for the day. Yeah, sometimes yeah. we just need something that's easier Easy. to get everything. <laughs> yeah. And you can't really have one one a day because the minerals are so bulky, it doesn't all fit in one. So um, <laughs> right. you are going to end up with a packet or a couple of, you know, yes. capsules or tablets a day. So for nausea, you mentioned um, the bees, you know, helped you, right? Yes, the B, vitamin B6 was very helpful, but even um, B3 has helped with, with, it can help with niacin, uh, which is niacin, so that can help, but B6 definitely. Um, and usually I would take like 100 milligrams right away when I got up, um, and um, and sometimes I'd take like uh, half of one or another 100 milligrams later on in the day. Um, but um, that really helped me. Also, this is the main thing, and this isn't even a supplement. This is totally how you eat. If you can eat every hour and a half, two hours, if you, if, and even if it's just a small amount with, you know, ba- the balance of it all, of proteins, fats, and carbs, that's what really helped me with my morning sickness. If I, if I went too long without eating something and my stomach got empty, that's when my nausea was the worst. And so... I found, you know, eating every hour and a half or two hours much much more doable okay. and I could manage, you know, manage the nausea. So Great. Yeah. And ginger too. Ginger's huge for a lot of people. Right. Yes. Ginger tea, you know, would be something yeah. that's easy to to have. Yeah. Um if you're not feeling well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, well, Anna Durhak, thank you for um, joining me today. It's been great. We covered a lot of ground. I know there's there's much more, but we just had an hour. So this yes, is just to right. maybe give some basics here. But tell us again how people can get in touch with you, and do you do long-distance um, consultations? Yes, I do. Um, we... Um, if you need to, if you want to email me or just you know have um, a short little consult to see if you know we're the right fit, um, it's um, my, my um, email is Anna A N N A at weightandwellness.com. dot com, and um, I do Skype appointments, I do phone consults. Um, if you're ever in the area, you can always come up and see me in the Maple Grove office. Um, and if you have a general question, you can email it to our um, our general email, and it's just email at weightandwellness.com, and one of us will be able to get back to you. But that's um, that's kind of how you can reach me. So I'd love to hear from you. Great. Well, thank you so much, and um, I will, you know, send you a, a link to this show, but I appreciate all of your, you know, wisdom and, and your time sharing everything with us this morning. So have a great day, Thanks, Anna. Sarah. You too. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye. Yep, bye. All right, everybody, that was Anna Durhock, and you can visit her website, weightandwellness.com, my website, getbetterwellness.com. We have another show this week um, on Thursday with Polly Halstead, and she is a chef 
um, from Napa who has a new paleo cookbook that we will um, talk with her about the principles and some of the great recipes. And that will be at 10 a.m. Central Time. So please check out my website, getbetterwellness.com. If you're interested in the A2 hypoallergenic casein dairy, raw cheese, um, culture dairy, that's Suero, S-U-E-R-O dot mybeyondorganic.com. Thanks for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.